Hello everyone, today is April 27th, 2016. I'm your podcast host, Client Manager John Niggle of InTouch Manufacturing Services. InTouch is an American-owned company headquartered in Shenzhen, China that specializes in everything from quality control, product inspections, to factory audits, social compliance, and sourcing. The topic of discussion today is five things a QC company can't control. And joining me to talk about that is Manager of Client Services, Oliver Knack. So welcome, Oliver. Thanks, John. And this is a podcast episode based off a blog article that Oliver wrote about a month ago. And I think really the motivation for writing this probably came from a lot of misunderstandings from clients, importers that they have some expectations about their third-party inspection company and what responsibilities they have to seeing their services through and arranging services. And actually, there are a number of things that are sort of commonly misunderstood in areas that the third party doesn't really handle themselves. They don't really control certain areas. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Like you mentioned, the motivation was really from seeing a lot of situations where clients had requested services to happen by a certain date and we couldn't carry out those services at the date that the client wanted it to happen. So there are a number of factors that come into play here. The first and main one is about the acknowledgement of the factory of when the inspection can happen. So part of that is allowing access. And that means that, well, I suppose I'll take it back to our booking process. So a client wants a service to happen. We confirm the scope with them. And then they'll notify the factory that they want this inspection to happen. And we'll follow up with the factory directly. We'll explain our booking procedure, but it's actually the factory that needs to book the service with us on a certain date, advising what's going to be ready. In the case of inspections, advising which items are going to be ready and at what percentage completion they're going to be, and providing the address details. And that booking process really is the acknowledgement from the factory that yes, they're giving us permission to arrive on site that day and provide and carry out that service. Yeah, I think it can be confusing a lot of times for first-time importers or importers that are are asking a third party to go in and inspect on their behalf or audit for them for the first time because I think most people are just used to paying for something and then just getting it. If it's a service, they go to an accountant and say, I need my taxes done. They pay the accountant and he does the taxes. A lot of times they don't consider the supplier and their role in all of this and that they need to explicitly really consent to having a third party go in there. And that's an important point to understand how the booking process works and how it's really determined by the factory management who has access to that facility. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, we can't just show up on site. You know, if a client said, oh, let's have the inspection next Monday, Yeah, that's all well and good. But if we show up on Monday and the factory doesn't let us in, you know, that's not good for anyone. Right. The second point that you mentioned here of the five things QC company can't control is the service date, which I think you sort of touched on a little bit here with describing the booking process and how that works. So basically what you mean is that the factory really needs to 
sort of be proactive in booking the inspection with the company that will be doing the service. The importer can't simply tell the third party, you know, listen, the goods are going to ship on the 15th. I need them inspected on the 12th, no later than that. And that's the way it's going to be, right? There's a little bit more to that in terms of, you know, what say does the supplier have in all this? Is that right? Yeah. Obviously, things at the factory can change. Like they'll say that the order is going to be ready by so-and-so date, but production times can change. And they often do. They often are delayed. A good example that just came up a couple of days ago where a client of ours was really pushing the factory to book the inspection with us for, let's say, for example, last Friday. They were saying, look, the inspection needs to happen by last Friday. We've been following up. The factory's not booking the inspection with us. We get to Monday and Tuesday, and finally the factory books the inspection. We go and do the inspection on the Tuesday, and actually, a lot of the goods aren't ready. The factory wasn't wanting to explicitly tell the clients that the goods aren't ready, but that was the reason that they were delaying the inspection. So in cases like that, it's often good for clients to not be so fixed on a certain date. Let the factory book that, but obviously keeping pressure on them about your expectation of when those goods need to be ready by but not necessarily being so concrete on when the inspection has to happen because the factories can determine that date with us based on when the goods are ready. Right. I think that point stands as well for, you know, before we talked about suppliers, how they might resist factory audits or an inspection and whether or not it's a symptom of like deliberate reluctance, reluctance on the part of the supplier to allow a third party to go into their factory. Yeah, really... The importer should have that. They really need to take that initiative to talk with the supplier beforehand and clarify expectations, as you mentioned, and to make sure that they're being cooperative with the booking process because the inspection company typically, or that third-party auditor, can't generally press the supplier to cooperate. That kind of pressure needs to come from the importer. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Okay, great. The third point here that you've mentioned is access to special inspection equipment. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that's sort of out of the hands of the third party? Yeah, sure. So generally, our inspectors will carry basic equipment, basic measuring equipment, such as rulers, in some cases calipers. But a lot of testing that happens on site needs specific equipment. Say, for example, electronic items. There are some electrical safety tests that get done, such as a high pot test. Now, to carry out those tests requires equipment, like actual machine equipment, to test those items. And that sort of stuff is not really portable. We don't carry that to site. So we're sort of relying on the factory to make that equipment available. I mean, any decent factory that is manufacturing those sort of items will have that sort of testing equipment because they would be doing that in their own internal QC, or should be at least. So they need to make sure that that equipment is available at time of inspection so that we can carry out that testing. And sometimes they don't allow that. Sometimes they say, oh, look, that equipment's being used, or they don't have it, or they just don't provide it for whatever reason. And we really can't force the issue. We can put notes in the report saying, look, this testing wasn't able to be completed and why, but we can't make a factory provide anything so that's where we really need to clarify um, those requirements prior to going to the inspection and we do we outline to the factories 
what equipment is required and what we need to do the inspection. Yeah, aside from the third party, working that out and clarifying with the supplier before the inspection or the service, what equipment is expected to be provided or made available by the supplier. I think another great way to do it is to include on the quality control checklist after the on-site test there, what equipment is needed for those tests, because that's something that is a general procedure that we've got in place for quality control checklists. Ideally, the importer is collaborating with the QC company and the supplier on making those, so everyone should really be on the same page, ideally, in terms of what equipment is needed for inspection and who will provide it. Do you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. It comes back to something we always stress to our clients, and that is that the quality requirements need to be explicit and super crystal clear between the client and the factory. Having an expectation but not having the factory understand that expectation leads to all sorts of problems. So that's where, and that ties into these kind of tests that need to be done. As long as all of that is clear in the lead up to production, to placing an order, then that goes a long way to avoid these kind of uh, miscommunications afterwards. Okay. The fourth point here is of a similar note, and that is the QC company generally doesn't control which on-site testing is conducted. In a sense, it's not really part of the quality control company's responsibility to dictate to the supplier what sorts of tests can be conducted. Is that right? Yeah. So there are some standard tests that we do for certain items. Almost every inspection of like consumer goods, we will do such things like a carton drop test or item drop test. The item drop test is to test the integrity of the construction of the unit, dropping it from a certain height, let's say, for example, a meter, and that it you know, keeps its shape and form and, and still works after having dropped it. Or in the case of a carton drop test, dropping a carton on its edge from a certain height to test the integrity of the packaging. Those kind of tests are what we call destructive tests generally because they can cause damage to products. Sometimes factories don't allow those tests to be done. And it's sometimes a requirement of clients, in which case they need to go back and talk to the factory and say, hey, look, no, we actually do need those tests to be done. Or if they don't, then that's fine. We don't continue to put that in the scope of inspection for those items going forward. Okay, so it sounds like really, likewise, with the inspection equipment, it needs to be clarified beforehand what sort of tests will be conducted. And the third party will generally clarify that with the supplier at the time of booking. Is that right? Yeah, for any testing that requires equipment, that's clarified prior. And if, say, the supplier specifically says we can't allow this particular test, then it really needs to go back on the importer to press the supplier to allow that kind of testing. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen often, but if a factory does say, oh, look, we can't do this testing, we don't have the equipment or something like that, then that needs to be worked out. Maybe some equipment needs to be purchased or hired, or in some cases, we can bring the required testing equipment. So, yeah, that can be worked out on those as a case-by-case basis. Okay. Your last point here, along the lines of things that a QC company can't control, the last point here is which documents are provided during an audit. A QC company can't really force a factory to provide certain documents during an audit. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, so 
going to the side of audits, which are fundamentally a different service to product inspections. In an audit, we're actually checking the processes and procedures of the factory. A lot of that is checking documentation, checking records. So typically we will send a document list specific to the different kind of audit that's going to be carried out. We'll provide that document list in advance to the factory so that they can prepare the documents. And sometimes we arrive at site and they don't have certain documents ready or available or sometimes those documents don't exist. So that obviously impacts the effectiveness of the audit. And in the case of social compliance, that can affect their rating and yeah, can be detrimental to the factory being allowed to supply products. Right, yeah, I agree. If they're missing some crucial information, something related to payroll, for example, or insurance, it could lead to failing, it could lead to being denied a distribution partner like a retailer like Target or one of these. And as far as an audit for quality management systems, something based on maybe ISO 9000, ISO 9001 standards, not having financial records or not having an import export license or business license could fail them as well, right? I mean, if they don't have those, they really maybe they shouldn't be working with that particular supplier anyway, is that right? In some cases, yeah, it can be a key indicator that the supplier is not necessarily a good fit to work with. Okay, so in terms of the overall message for importers and things they can control, things they can't control, we've talked about access to the factory, arranging the inspection, the service date, access to special equipment, permitted on-site testing, documents provided. What's, I guess, the overall message to the importer here about these kinds of things that, you know, the quality control company or the auditing company, they'll do their best to alert the supplier ahead of time with stuff like documents and testing and equipment that they need. But ultimately, what is the importer's role in terms of this and what can they do to prevent misunderstandings? I think it comes back to managing expectations on all fronts. The client needs to manage the expectations of the factory in terms of their level of quality and when they need the goods ready by. The factory needs to manage the expectations of their client in providing up-to-date information of when goods are going to be ready and being open with booking the inspections with the QC company. And then it's our job as the QC company to manage the expectations in terms of what our limitations are, like what we're talking about today, to our client, so that if we do face uncooperative suppliers, that those circumstances can be worked through. Okay, excellent. Well, I want to thank my guest, Oliver, for taking some time to sit down with me today to talk about things that a quality control company cannot control. So thank you, Oliver. My pleasure. And I want to thank all the listeners out there for tuning in to today's broadcast and remind you guys to check out our social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, for some daily tips and advice and industry-related news. You can also check out our YouTube channel for some on-site inspection videos and some interviews with industry experts. And finally, if you'd like to get in contact with us directly, you can drop us a line at our company website. That is www.intouchquality.com. Thank you.